Hello and welcome to Subcultured, a podcast exploring subcultures from around the world. I'm your king of the jungle, Jake Brennan, and I'm joined today by fellow lost children of the wild, Joanna Graham. Hello. Benjamin Hymans. You gotta walk with the animals. Talk with the animals and talk with Jacob Abbott. Guys, we might be in for a wild ride with this one. Oh. Oh, there you go. king of comedy right here. So, guys, big question. I always like to start with a big question, and this one's a doozy. If you had to pick a pack of wild animals that would have adopted you at birth and treated you as their own, what would you pick? Jacob, lead us with that. I would pick a load of rats. You know, I could be the rat king. Fuck's sake, I was going to pick rats. <laughs> rat, great minds think alike, or weird minds think alike. Why, why rats? They're pretty durable little creatures. I mean, if you've never read it, I'd recommend The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents. It's a great book. It's very good, yeah. My idea was just to arrive in the sewers, but I mean, that's pretty good too. <laughs> what about you, Joe? Who would you like to be adopted by? Mm, a family of nice cats, I think. Ooh. I just like the cat lifestyle. I enjoy sleeping and eating and being cared for. Stuff like that. Would you live off the streets going to people's houses? No. Just getting free food. No, I'd be like a spoiled cat belonging to like a nice old lady. But that's not really living with animals, is it? It's living with an old woman and a cat. <laughs> <laughs> you would just be some old woman's adopted child. That sounds like more of a hostage situation than anything else. There's no animal I want to live with. If you kind of like the cat lifestyle, why not step it up a notch? Why not go for the mighty sloth? Mm, no. I don't want to be raised by an animal. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're all missing a trick here with the very wholesome and very caring otter. Mm, otters are scary and they smell bad. Yeah. Have you seen the picture of the two otters holding their hands? Yeah, I think it's overrated. It's precious. They do it so they don't float away. That is kinship. Or they float away together. Suicide pact. Still a better love story than Twilight? Is that meme still around? Is that is that still okay to use? Uh-huh. Oh, it's so old now, it's probably quite retro, so yeah. Not being allowed rats, I've got a second backup, which would probably go with hyenas. Based Ooh. purely on how they're represented in The Lion King, I think having like a load of laughing stooges, you now all my jokes always be laughed at, and I've got some great slapstick going on. I-, I think hyenas would be pretty fun to have around. You just want to live with Whoopi Goldberg, don't you? I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, true. <laughs> it is Whoopi. Anyway, I bring this up because, as you've already guessed from today's episode title, we are looking at real wild thornberries, which is a mouthful, but it's quite interesting. Ben, you're our expert on this. Why don't you tell us what real-life thornberries are? It's kind of a term that we're using for the collection of people who, whether through choice or necessity, have found themselves living with not-peoples, animals of all sorts of varieties. You know, situations are pretty wildly different across these people, and you get some pretty unexpected creatures. I have an issue. I take umbrage with the title of this episode. (laughs) Because the wild thornberries didn't live or were raised by animals. I mean, Eliza could talk to animals. I'm using the term to skirt around the fact that the more popularised term might be feral children, which is kind of like the depressing side of things. Mm. Yeah. There's a couple of different circumstances which we're putting all into one. You do have the feral children who quite often that's cases of uh, child abandonment. That's not great. Don't do that, people. You've learned it here first. Yeah, exactly. Don't abandon your child. If, yeah. you, if you were considering it, it's, it's not worth it. It's, it's usually just a poor choice, you know. 
a message from your friends at Subcultured. But then you've got your people like Jane Goodall who have chosen to go and live with wild animals for various reasons, whether it's research, whether it's just people who enjoy spending time with the animals. And I think the thornberries would probably fall into that second side. Could I propose, failing that, to appease everyone for the short term, seeing as we've already probably put this episode out, recorded it, and have all the shit written up, can we refer to them as Brendan Frasers? What? Why? Because of George of the Jungle. George the Jungle, yeah. But there's... Why all these specific references to (laughs) fictional characters? What about living with animals? Well, because we originally had living with animals, and Jake got confused and he thought we just meant someone that had pets. (laughs) (laughs) The way you described it made it very... It's just easier to be like, okay, so someone in Mowgli's scenario like disney mowgli not the weird fictional jay you can't use fictional characters for a research on an actual topic (laughs) the things that people really do and i'm gonna i'm only saying this jay because you yourself seconds ago said you know nothing about this subject that is very true so if your best examples are all (laughs) fictional maybe we should learn from ben my best example is (laughs) brendan fraser which is enough which is an actor who plays a guy who lives in a jungle Ben, why don't you tell us some examples to dig me out of this hole I seem to have sort of buried myself in, please? <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. Population, how many are there? Again, it kind of gets complicated because there's so many different circumstances and situations, but overall, not many. I mean, if you're looking at feral children, I think there was um, around 40 or less cases that I've managed to find like fully documented in my research. Obviously, there may be more we don't know about. Kind of a whole point is we're away from society. But again, with those, usually when they're discovered, every effort is made to capture and rehabilitate them. So the numbers go down. Yeah, I can't imagine these guys have like a conference they turn up to on a regular <laughs> basis. They're not networked. Find them on LinkedIn. On the other side of it, you've got the people who've chosen to do it later in life. And theirs is probably usually better documented because they're doing it for a specific reason or because it went horrifically wrong and they made the news for other reasons. Oh, that happens a fair amount too. Mm. Oh, doing our usual metric of could they take the population of whales? <laughs> it's it's a difficult one to say because they're definitely less than the population of whales. But I think for a significant number of them, they could probably summon up an army of feral creatures. So it kind of depends on where that falls in the scale. I mean, one of the most famous mythological ones you've got Romulus and Remus, mm. uh, founders of Rome. So if you really want to go hypothetical here, you could say that they've got the entire Roman Empire to back them up. So what would classify this? What would help me classify if somebody was a quote-unquote real Thornberry? There's two very different sides to classifying it, and you've got the feral children who... Coming up with a scale for this is kind of difficult. Mm. I think you'd probably have to say the child has been abandoned and survived longer than they would have done on their own, possibly, with the help Mm. of wild animals. At that point, you could probably classify that they have been taken in. Like, obviously, if you go missing and you spend an afternoon with some monkeys, I wouldn't count you as a feral child after that. It's, it's got to be at least a weekend. You've got to be part of the pack, as it yeah. were. The other side is a very conscious choice to make. So you either have some research to do or you just make the life choice to just disappear off the grid and go and live with your favorite kind of animal. And at that point, you've chosen to do it. And assuming you survive to tell the tale, you come back and say, yeah, I've done it. And I think that's probably all it would take. So. Very easy to kind of get into in that sense. However, I imagine disappearing off the grid to go and live with a specific wild animal, you probably need a little bit of financial stability to do that Mm. in some way. You know, assuming you plan on coming back, you're going to need to have something saved up. So Now, I don't want to keep pulling back (laughs) 
oh, no. fictional examples, but it does sound like the episode where Nigel Thornberry oh, went off God. on his own to live with gorillas. I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> so, wait, so you go for the fictional character of Nigel Thornberry, but not <laughs> Dr. Jane Goodall, the person who actually did go. Yeah. The one who Nigel Thornberry is inspired by. <laughs> <laughs> no, just fucking go for it, Jake. Just say it's Tim Curry living with animals. It's and Curry it's smashing. Animals. Go on, give us a smashing. Smashing. Sticky wicked. No, I can't do it. I can't do Tim Curry. <laughs> We're off on a weird tangent now. We are. Let's pull it back. You mentioned that there are people that do it by choice. Is there any like, sort of rationale as to why? So generally the two rationales are some kind of research or conservation efforts. You've Jane Goodall side of things where you're going to specifically live with a load of monkeys to try and protect them, often from poachers, things like that. It's actually quite dangerous. Or you've got people who are kind of doing it recreationally because they just enjoy the animals. You know, a famous example of this is Timothy Treadwell, a.k.a. the Grizzly Man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. He lived with bears for 13 years, I believe every summer, until one year when food was particularly scarce in the park he was going to stay in with the bears, and they got a little bit more aggressive, and a bear that he didn't know ended up mauling him to death. I heard that he did actually kind of know the bear, or at least not, I mean, it wasn't one of his familiar bears, but it was an angry arsehole bear that, like, there's footage (laughs) of him with that arsehole bear being like, that guy's a dickhead. If any bear kills me, it's him. (laughs) Call the cops if I show up dead. It's that bear. That's oh, the shooter. Jesus. We got him. Yeah, we got him. But yeah, he, he was he was very specific. It was a bear he wasn't friendly with and yeah. may not have known for as long as the other bears. Classic dickhead bear. What an asshole bear. Wow. There's a great moment though in the documentary about Grizzly Man where Werner Herzog, who's like the documentary maker, he mm. listens to the audio of the Grizzly Bear Man being like mauled to death. Wow. And he's listening to it while he's looking in the eyes of the woman who was in a relationship with him or something like that. She was like his best okay. friend. Oh. I don't know. He's like, we must never, ever, ever listen to this audio. <laughs> Promise me that. You must never listen to this. And you can only see the back of his head, but you can hear that he's crying. Anyway, it just makes me think of like if Ben ever listened to our episode on Vore, I think we'd have the exact <laughs> same reaction. You must never listen to this. Promise me. Wow, what a terrible thing to put yourself through. What the, what a terrible thing to say to the partner as well. It's like, don't listen to this. Because immediately the first things they're going to be like is, well, now I want to. <laughs> no, she had it. She's the one who showed it to him. Ah. She got given it when he died, and then she's never listened to it. She was like, I'm never, ever fucking listening to that. That's cursed. Jesus. But yeah, Herzog was like, give it to here. <laughs> and I'd be the same. I want to hear a guy die. Wow. <laughs> I mean, do we need to cut that? Is that likely to be used as evidence against you at some point in the future? Mm. <laughs> that long pause. Oh, We've got a more upbeat story. That's kind of along a similar vein. So we've got uh, yes, a guy called Sean Ellis who was known as the Wolfman. I say was, I believe he's still alive. I really hope so. It's not going to be upbeat otherwise. <laughs> he actually spent 18 months living in the wild with orphaned wolf pups to teach them how to rehabilitate properly. Because obviously he could have just taken them in and raised them at his house. But he wanted to mm. make sure they had a proper childhood as a wolf. So he went to live with them and uh, taught them how to actually act like wolves. He does look very wolfy. He definitely does fit the bill for Wolfman, doesn't he? He feels like the kind of person where if they have a dog and you want to, like, 
give him a lovely little smooch on their nose, he wouldn't mind that they'd just stick their tongue right in his mouth. <laughs> that, I think, probably is my cut-off point between dog people and wolf people. There's another similar story I'd like to bring up as well, because obviously that's quite nice. You could imagine, you know, raising wolf pups sounds like quite a fun, adorable time. It does. It looks so happy. They're just biting each other and just baring teeth. Biting each other and baring teeth? <laughs> that doesn't sound happy or fun. I mean, he looks like the most in tune with them. Like play fighting with dogs. If you've had big dogs, play fighting is a big thing. He, he was a parental figure, yeah. He's got to teach them how to play and how to fight, how to hunt. Can I just ask, actually, so he went to raise these wolf pups. Why didn't he just find like a wolf pack and kind of introduce them that way and let the actual wolves look after him? I think I have the answer. Is he a weirdo? I'm guessing that it's because a lot of animals are very territorial about their young, and so if it smelt not like them, they probably would try and kill it and eat it. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have gone well. You'd have to go to that situation of trying to find... Probably a wolf mother who had just recently had pups and that, probably a lot of hassle and probably also quite dangerous to do. Yeah. I mean, look at it like this. Imagine if you were a lovely family, you're not, you're just, you know, two partners, maybe you've got a dog and someone says, here's a baby, yours, take it. You'd be a little bit annoyed. Yeah. That's one what? way of putting it. A little bit annoyed. <laughs> a bit annoyed. Confused. <laughs> just like, why have you given me this baby? Why is this baby now part of our lives? And I guess in wolf cases, that probably comes down to eating the baby. Are you just trying to say that you've eaten a baby? Is this your confession? Well, no one's given me one to eat, so not yet. But you would if given the opportunity to hear here. <laughs> just on that note, I think I'd be delicious to eat. There's a terrible edit in there somewhere. Is this going to become Vore Part 2? Is Vor very much like a big people eating little people, or is there just desire to be cannibalised? You'll have to listen to the episode, Ben. Oh. No spoilies here. It will change you. Please promise me, Ben, you will never <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> promise me. Uh, tell you what, let's put that on our daddy tier Patreon. Just Making Ben listen to... Oh, I was going to say eating Joe, but yeah. <laughs> if you just donate like a little finger, or a little no. toe, you don't need them. I think my bum would be very delicious. You don't want to give up your bum? Well, only if I was dead. Oh, true. But at that point you can't spend... Well, actually, no, we can spend your money. I think what Jake's saying about is we could go for the toes now. We wouldn't have to... You wouldn't have to die to give up a few toes. Why would you want... I don't want to give up my toes. And why would you want to eat They're toes? They're bony. There's nothing in them. Yeah. I think... I've got quite a fat ass, and I think some crackling <laughs> made out of my ass would be bloody lovely. But you don't want it to get mature. You want it... Excuse me, are you calling me old? Oh. No, but you will be old when you're dead, unless you're planning sooner? Just no? stew it, then. Stew it? We'll pickle your ass. Yeah. When you die and sell it in our ultra-high Patreon tier. Can we make, oh. like, a, a little Lord of the Rings parody rap here of boil her, mash her, stick her in a stew? Yeah. Ah, very good. A very similar example to the one that we just went off on a massive tangent on. Someone else who took the time <laughs> out of their life to go and live in the wild with a wild animal to raise it right is a man called Joe Hutto, who spent a year living his life as a turkey to raise wild turkeys. Hmm. He did what? Huh. Yeah, I know. It's out of all the animals you could pick. I'm really surprised by this one because a wolf, I understand. The wolf is a majestic creature. It's got like a lot of clout to it. But the turkey? The humble turkey. Have any of you been to a turkey farm? I believe mm. I did once when I was a lot younger, and the turkey was horrendous. I used to live near a turkey farm. I had to go through a turkey farm twice a day to get to school. 
And let me tell you, it smells like absolute death. It's so fucking bad. It's worse than pigs. Really? Yeah. I kind of feel with the question at the start, if one of you had said turkeys, you'd have to leave. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the lamest. What, What was the benefit to this? What was he getting out of this? Well, he wrote a book at the end of it. Apparently he raised them from the moment they came out of the egg, they imprinted on him as their turkey parent. And he raised them for a year until they became independent. Allegedly in that time, he learned their language and was impressed by their instincts. Huh. Now I've got a question. Is it ever ethical to do this, given that like animals do sometimes imprint and then you're basically removing any chance that they have like a natural upbringing? Well, mm. I think in a lot of these situations, they've already lost the chance of having a natural upbringing for whatever right. reason. So they just die otherwise. And, yeah, I think they would just die otherwise. I think the important thing of this is that the human is going out of the way to make sure they're raised as naturally as possible, so they're not taking them out of the environment. But, grizzly man, specifically in that documentary, they interviewed several Native American conservationists who said just his presence is disruptive to bears because it teaches them to think of humans as, like, someone you can interact with. His was slightly different because Mm. he wasn't raising them as bears. He was just interacting with already grown wild bears, which is kind of... A little bit different of a scale, yeah. So I'd probably say that is more irresponsible because you're teaching the adult bears that they don't need to fear humans and then uh, things like what happened to him happen. Yeah. Whereas the wolfman was specifically raising young wolves to be like wolves and be independent of him. And when they were independent, he left them to it. That's nice. So I think that's probably quite a big distinction there. Hmm. Now, we mentioned that the wolf guy looked a bit like a wolf. Did Turkey Guy look a bit like a turkey? He definitely looks like the kind of guy that would hang around with turkeys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he looks like the kind of guy who shoot turkeys. Yeah, that's probably how I'd sum him up. He's got the cap and the denim jacket on like he's about to go hunting. There's an interesting picture of him here, sat in a tree with a load of turkeys. I don't know if that's the turkeys from the book, but he does look pretty much like your, your typical American hunter. <laughs> okay. Now, I've painted him in a bit of a slapstick light here because they're turkeys. But he did do a different project where he looked to integrate with a deer community. Oh, dear. Oh, oh, dear. oh good. <laughs> so, yeah, he's done it with multiple animals. But again, deer's another one that uh, is also fairly hunted in America. So consider that when you go, how ethical is it that he's training deer to essentially not fear humans as much? I don't know. If you went to your, I mean, I guess in America, it'd be a high school reunion. And you said, oh, yeah, I live with deer and integrate myself with them to help them in some way. That sounds ten times cooler of, oh yeah, I've got a bunch of turkeys that I'm mates with. It definitely does. I mean, the deer is a majestic forest creature, but mm. the turkey is a turkey. Really are an unfortunate bird. What about another story, Ben? You seem quite caught up on the idea of the wild thornberries, so let's bring up Tippy Degree. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Tippy Degree. Tippy Degree was the child of wildlife photographers. And very much is the kind of wild thornberry example you're probably looking for. So how did she grow up with animals? What was the interaction there? She basically lived in the Namibia bush for the first 10 years of her life in South Africa, out in the wildlife um, while her parents took pictures. Is she the one who could like hang out with lions and stuff? Yeah, so she is said to have befriended the animals she lived with including elephants, leopards, lions, giraffes. 
if it's the person I'm thinking of, I remember reading an interview where everyone who knew her was like, yeah, she just has this uncanny ability to just put other animals at peace and like make them very relaxed. I guess she'd know the kind of body language or how to approach yeah. them in a way that's not threatening. Hmm. Literally the poster child for this subculture in a way. I mean, I don't know if there was actually any direct correlation between her and the wild form breeds, but it does sound pretty much like... Mm. Sounds yeah. like she's a good inspiration for it, if nothing else. What's mm. even more interesting is that she is the same age as all of us, and she's had a no. much more exciting life, yeah. Holy she... shit. Oh, that's, that makes me sad. She was 30 years old in June. Wow, and all we've done is talk about penises being eaten and juggalos. One thing that's really interesting, I found, is this can happen almost anywhere as well. I did find a case in Russia. You could say, well, of course it's Russia, so maybe that's got something to do with it. (laughs) But a child ran away from home at the age of four and lived with a pack of wild dogs for two years, just outside the major city of Moscow. Hmm. So that's not in the middle of nowhere. That's not like in the jungle. That's quite near a very large established city. Apparently he became a pack leader because being an uh, apex predator, as humans are, we were better at getting food than the rest of the pack. So he brought food back and became a pack leader at age four, lived with them for two years, and escaped from the police multiple times as they were trying to catch him until they uh, used food to catch him in a trap. Hmm. Um, which sounds like the plot to a pretty great film, if uh, ever I heard one. <laughs> were they trying to catch him for the all of the two years because outside a major city you think someone would have seen a kid running around yeah i think from what i read there was like vague reports in of i've seen that wild boy that seems to live around here with all those dogs but run down the street barking obviously there's a load of dogs so i go inside because they're barking but uh mm. reported to the police and they just miss him every single time <laughs> dang well on that how about we take a little break and try and adopt our own child hmm <laughs> that's sinister it is, but then so are we. So we just leave it there for two seconds, hop off the bus, and uh, we're back with you in a hot minute. Yeah! Woohoo! Let's go adopt a baby! No, 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 wasn't that smashing, lads? What a funny group of people. Hey, did you know that they are on the internet of all places? They're on a Twitter, and they are on an Instagram, whatever that is. Oh, yes, you can find them on Subcultured Cast. Remember, Subcultured Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Apparently, it's about cat pictures and photos of sausages or something of the like. Tell you what, if you're not happy with this provider, you can find them on a multitude of different podcast platforms. Or, if you don't like them at all, but, you know, really do like them because they try really hard to make really good content and I think is really funny. But if not, you can see their network of podcasts at Podcrabs at www.podcrabs.com where you can listen to other extraordinary individuals talking about wrestling and food and other shit like that, such as the Attitude Era podcast, How To Wrestling, Cinema Swirl, and Raw. Or, failing that, because I think you definitely should keep listening, Subculture Again, where you can listen to other different episodes, such as Detectorists, Real Vampires, Major League Foodies, and Ghost Hunters. See, a nice variety of information and engaging content. Anyway, I've got to go back to the bus now because I'm being mauled by a tiger. <laughs> Until then, my dears, bye bye, bye bye. Has anyone disappeared into the jungle while we were stopped? 
Um, no, I couldn't find any children, unfortunately. I just want to raise it. I didn't raise it before, but why are you looking for children? That's not the point of this episode. Mm. Yeah, you're obsessed. So if you found a kid lost in the jungle, would you just, like, leave it? No. No, exactly. But the point of this episode is kids that weren't found. It's, it's living with animals. Yeah. If anything, it should be people wandering away from us. Not you stopping at a service station looking for children. That right there is very nasty spin, Benjamin Hyman's. I've already been accused of loving Brendan Fraser too much. I will not be accused of stealing children. Thank you very much. All I'm saying is you're the one saying these things. Yeah. <laughs> this... Paints me in a bad light. <laughs> Do you want to say hello to the police? Oh, it's okay. We've got a few months on this. After the recording, I'm gone. I'm going to live with the wolves. <laughs> I'm become an alpha wolf. I mean, just make sure you live with baby wolves and you teach them the wolfy mm. lifestyle. Oh, I'll be living like every like early 2000 deviant art boy's dream. What do you think is the worst animal to be raised by? And why is it snails? <laughs> <laughs> I am... Um... Offended. I would say turkeys are worse to be raised by than snails. No, at least turkeys, you can understand their emotions. You can understand a snail's emotions. They're wonderful creatures. (laughs) Because they have very expressive (laughs) eye stalks and faces. Just a context of why this might be a bit more one-sided. Ben here has snails. Hey, and I had snails. Okay. Had. 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 Oh. Had. What happened? Nothing. They're my mum's. I used to live with them, now I don't. Oh. Abubukatafarbalewa and Abitundiadididjidun are perfectly fine. Thank you very much. Wow, that's thriving. Yeah, because they're African land snails. They have African names. Mm, That's nice. There's got to be worse animals than snails. Oh, there is. Fish. No. Fish are nice. You're going to (laughs) drown. He's got you there. So I have an animal I feel would be the worst animal to live with because mm-hmm. of one of its habits growing up that its mother enforces and it's going to turn your head because it's dogs dogs would single-handedly for me be the worst animal to be raised by on the premise alone that as a puppy they are taught by their parents to eat their own feces so you think the dogs would teach you to eat your own shit yeah that's what they do. The mothers encourage and teach their own kids to eat their own shit. So while I agree, that is not something I would want, and the animal probably would teach it. That is not restricted to dogs at all. Yeah. Did you know that a koala cannot survive unless it eats its parents' own shit wow. once it gets to a point where it needs to eat food? Koalas, horrendously designed creatures, absolutely awful. <laughs> and um, their stomach biology is so bad that they need to get bacteria from the diarrhea of their parent to be able to process the food they eat, which is the eucalyptus leaf, the only thing they can eat. Jesus Christ. No, I'll take that back. Those are the worst <laughs> animals to be adopted. Does it have by. to be diarrhea? Uh, it does. I'm not entirely Lovely. sure if that's not. might just be because koalas have consistent diarrhea. Um, they're also riddled with, <laughs> I believe, chlamydia. Oh, my days. Don't know how mm. they came into being. So originally, apparently, koalas were actually quite athletic animals, and mm. they would eat meat, they would hunt meat, and then the meat would give them enough protein to give them energy to hunt more. Yeah. And then because of the evolution of habitats, their natural prey left the area, mm. and as a result, the only thing they could eat was eucalyptus. Their bodies are designed to eat red meat, not eucalyptus, so it like just oh, doesn't wow. give them what they need. So they, uh, 
have to eat like all the time, constantly, and then they have diarrhea and chlamydia. How are they Sucks. alive? <laughs> they shouldn't be. They're broken. Mm. There is a case I've got here of someone deciding to live with a aquatic mammal. Oh, okay. um, this is slightly different. This is a dolphin. This is the dolphin fucking, isn't Jared it? Jared may already be <laughs> familiar with the story from the sound of it. So I don't know oh. how this would occur for a feral child, but any situation is possible. This was uh, Margaret Howe Lovett, who flooded a home to live in with a dolphin to research it and allegedly tried to teach it English. Hmm. It got a little bit out of hand. The dolphin was very distracted by her, um, began courting her in, in its dolphiny ways. Uh, and in order to get him to pay attention in English class, there was some weird hand stuff going on under the water. So it oh, wasn't no. out of hand, it was in hand. Oh, um, Allegedly, there was some LSD involved as well, and the whole oh. research thing got cancelled. Generally sounded like a very odd time. Sadly, after being separated, the dolphin was inconsolable, refused to uh, find a new mate in an actual dolphin, and ended up committing suicide by swimming to the bottom of his tank and refusing to come up for air. Oh no! That's really dark. Oh. But how do people feel about um, Margaret Lovett and, and what she did? Was she justified? No. No, no of course not. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, no. I hate dolphins. I really hate them. You know, if ever there was an animal who fucking is asking for it, it's a dolphin. But even then, <laughs> rape is rape. Yeah, you shouldn't be jacking off animals. It was very much as part of a research to get it to pay attention, though. It killed itself, it did, then. it did. That was a bit of a shame. That was after the separation. <laughs> a shame! You gotta wonder where that research would have gone. I, I don't want Probably to know way where worse. it could have gone. Mass homicide. Probably would have shot up a movie theatre or something. <laughs> There are people who actively try to stop scientific discovery with this exact shit. What I'll say is you can do whatever you want and just say Nat's research, mate. Don't worry about it. It's very easy. (laughs) Jacking off that dolphin, that research, mate. Don't worry about it. I have to say I'm quite uh, impressed or, well, I guess impressed (laughs) that none of us made a blowhole joke about that that entire thing. It's a bit obvious. A dolphin died, Jabs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people have died in this episode. That's the thing, I'm numb to it now. Oh dear me, give us another one, Ben, please. Um, well, we can talk a bit more about researchy type folks now. So, I mean, obviously mm. we've got Jane Goodall, probably one of the most well-known examples, um, especially since The Simpsons exposed her for using her chimpanzees to run a diamond mine, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Definitely real, yes. Yeah, definitely real. <laughs> it's The Simpsons, Jake, Jake knows all about that documentary. <laughs> another um, fairly famous woman is Diane Fossey who lived with and researched gorillas as a conservation project, and she seemed like she was possibly a bit of a badass. So as well as studying gorillas, she was very much anti-poaching and actually directly trying to protect them, which includes rumours that she is said to have once beat a poacher's testicles with stinging nettles after capturing him. Oh. (laughs) What a badass. What a badass. Unfortunately, she was eventually murdered under very mysterious circumstances. Oh, um, which may or may not have had something to do with all the poachers that she had stopped over the years. Official story from the authorities at the time, where the investigation was a bit sketchy, was that her research assistant did it to steal her research. But there's a lot of controversy with that. Was just he was conveniently there at the time, and they weren't really doing a great job. Hmm. All sounds a bit dodgy. Dang. I mean, still quite a still badass, quite though. a badass though. Yeah, poachers have it coming. 
definitely would love to have been a fly on the wall when uh, that beating took place. <laughs> that is a good way to go. Is it? Just me? We're getting whipped well, let's the do it for you, Jake. Yeah! Make it happen. Let's sell Joe's <laughs> ass for meat, and then beat my nuts to death with yeah. holly, holly levels around a bunch of gorillas. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't have to, like, really, you know, do anything illegal to do that. You literally just, we could livestream that and make some money. Exactly, daddy tier. Daddy tier, we're going to strap Jake down and beat his testicles with stinging nettles. If anyone's interested, you know, hit us up, we can uh, get some kind of funding <laughs> started for that. Yeah, just call 999. <laughs> Wow. And I think on that wonderful note, how about we call it there, guys? Yeah, I mean, we can't go any deeper into this hole we've dug, so, you know. We peeked at dolphin wanking. <laughs> Overall final thoughts. Let's not leave kids with animals. It doesn't have to be kids, Jake. It's anyone. Let's not leave people with animals. <laughs> Don't live with animals. Don't live with animals. It very rarely ends well, like the bear guy. Or the dolphin. Anyway, let's call it there. And we are the Subcultured Board of Tourism, and we, we're just sorry that this, <laughs> this went places. We're sorry. Just forget this happened. This is a write-off. Bye. Thought you'd seen the last of me? Not bloody likely, you swines. You can find more from the ragtag bunch of hooligans by searching Subcultured Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Plus, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Subcultured on your podcast platform of choice. Subcultured is part of the Pod Crabs Network at www.podcrabs.com. It is well good. I have considered on a number of occasions, considering the high quantity of protein in sperm, if you could make <laughs> mm-hmm. a nice omelette out of it. Hmm. Maybe. Because in theory, I think it would have a similar texture to egg whites.